Hey guys, this is James. And Greg. We're the co-hosts of the Sports Dance Podcast, a weekly podcast recapping all the news, sports, daily fantasy, and anything else you can want to know in the sports world. If you like blazing hot sports takes, you like a little bit of humor, maybe a little bit of murder. No, just kidding. All sports. But follow us, uh, Greg. On Twitter at SportsStands underscore. You can follow James at SportsStandsJ. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, we got it all. At Boom. the SportsStands. And, you know, just check us out. You're going to love what we bring to the table every single week. Hot takes, nothing less. The Sports Stance. Hey guys, welcome to the Sports Stance Podcast with Greg and James. I'm the second part, and with me, as always, he gave a really weird passive-aggressive interview to Stephen A. Smith about who doesn't really owe me anything. It's Greg Cowan, everybody. What's happening, baby? I don't want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, what do you uh, do? You think you can win without you know James as the co-host of the Sports Stance Podcast? Yeah, why not? Well, do you, I mean, do you think that you should, you know, tell James uh, if you're leaving the Sports Dance Podcast? No, I don't think I have to. Okay, well, this has been Greg Cowan, everybody. Uh, I don't know who, which PR guy twisted your arm to come on my podcast, but uh, you're doing a great job. Congratulations. Thank you. That was, a, I think, a spot-on Kyrie impersonation, if you ask me. I think that was pretty good. If you didn't get that's who we were talking about, you're going to find out pretty soon because we're going to talk about that a whole lot more this week. Yeah, that, that was a weird Kyrie Irving interview, Greg. I'm, uh, I'm glad that, you know, uh, once upon a time, a long time ago, I got a complaint that, uh, when I say these weird things at the top of the show, no, uh, if you don't watch the news or if you're coming to the sports stands for you know news updates, you don't really understand what I'm talking about. No, uh, no I've heard that. I've gotten complaints about it. So I can I can really appreciate at the end of the day when you can pick out what I'm saying yeah. from all the bullshits going on this week. Well, what type of co-host <laughs> would I be if I couldn't? I mean, I wouldn't even have to be on the show. It would be no point. Yeah, true. And you'd be me talking sports at a wall or something like that. That actually doesn't sound too bad. I would listen. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot to talk about this week, Greg. We have we NFL do. to get to. Um, we have, uh, you know, bits from all over uh, the sports world, uh, including the Kyrie Irving uh, first trake. And then KD uh, is a verified oh. Twitter troll. Verified. Verified Twitter um, troll. We also have a couple of things we want to talk about in the MLB uh, and so much more. But uh, before we get to any of that, Greg, how are you doing? Doing good, James. You know, just living that homeowner life. I got rugs this week, so, you know, I'm super excited about that. They really bring a room together. I've never realized it until I actually put them down. It's very bare unless you get a rug. I I totally agree with you. Unsung hero, the rug. It's really surprising. I never thought I'd be excited about a rug, just like I never thought if you check us out on the Crossover Podcast for friends this week, picking the Browns as a favorite. Never thought those things would happen. The rug is like the offensive lineman where you don't want to really think about it until you don't have a good one. Yeah. You know? I think that that's a pretty apt comparison that I just made up on the spot. So I think I'm just going to pack it in. I'm done. I think you can just walk away, be done for the night. I'll cover everything else, including the KD drama, all by myself. Oh, that'd be so nice. (laughs) No, just kidding. That's what we love to do. Um, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm happy for your rugs. Thank very, you. very good. Yeah, I'm going to keep my personal life limited to this week because, James, what's new with you? Well, Greg, we teased it last week. Um, I was going to go and watch The Deuce on HBO, and we we're going to talk to the sports stance listening public to see what their reaction was 
Uh, I didn't do that second part, but I definitely watched The Deuce. Two episodes on HBO right now, and I'm in. I'm in. I'm into The Deuce. I'm into The Deuce. Hook, line, thinker. First of all, great name for a show, The Deuce. It is. I love it. That's that's good. You have no idea about what the show is. You go in with a bunch of different ideas. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's all about 1970s New York and it's about, you know, uh, pornography and prostitution and, and James Franco is playing twins. I'm a sucker for when actors play twins. Like the one actor will play two twins. Yeah, it's always kind of an impressive thing. It's always weird when they do scenes together because I'm like, that must suck to do. It's it's such a, yeah, exactly. There's a movie that like Tom Hardy played twins yeah. with himself like a couple, like a year or so ago. Um, I didn't see it, but I was always like, oh, oh one's got glasses and one's doesn't. The thing that's messed up about this one is it's James Franco is playing two twins in the 1970s, and they both have mustaches. Like, you'd think if you're playing twins, one would have a mustache and one wouldn't have a mustache, but they both have mustaches, so it's so, it's so hard to tell them apart. They're like the Morris brothers. They just want everything identical. They don't want anything to be different. Oh, dude, the Morris brothers look exactly the same. And this is look, the same exact yeah. thing. It's funny because in this, in this show, like, they literally go out of... They like they go out of their way to be like, ha oh, Frankie, you're so funny. They're like, oh, Vinny, you're just a hoot. And it's like, dude, if you just one of you shaved the fucking mustache, we wouldn't have to do this. I would be able to tell you guys apart. <laughs> just Other than that, give like one a scar, just one a massive yeah, scar exactly. on the face. Exactly. Oh, eye patch. That, yeah, yeah. Anything, anything, anything that you can really exactly. look to and be like that. Other than that, I'm pretty, I'm all in. You know, I like HBO. Pretty much everything that HBO pulls, uh, you know, comes out with, I'm, I'm in on. Uh, yeah, and you're I'm, a big I'm sex in. on a city guy. I knew you were. Exactly. You know, uh, they call me Mr. Big for other reasons. Uh, I no, thought you I were more really, yeah. Samantha. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> but the deuce. So sports stance, you were on the edge of your seat. The listening audience was on the edge of their seat. Should I watch the deuce? Should I not watch the deuce? Watch it. Watch it's the deuce. James, James stamped approved. Uh, so if you were on the edge, now you shouldn't be. Yeah, congratulations. That, right. about, that about covers it this week right, for yeah. personal life stuff. Yeah, let's uh, just get right into it now. Uh, personal life stuff out the door now. We got to cover deuces and rugs. And uh, yeah, let's talk some NFL. Let's do it. We want to get back into... I had so much fun doing overreactions last week. I think that we're going to go hop on in again. I think we're going to give week two overreactions. I might even throw in an underreaction or two. And underreaction. Now, the thing I like about week two overreactions and underreactions, Greg, is that week one, everyone's like, oh, well, you can't really underreact or overreact to week one. It's just week one. Yeah. But week two, all of a sudden, it's like, well, they played a couple games. Yeah. I got I to say, a couple size. games. We got to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so week two overreactions are just as unfounded as week one. Um, but for some reason, people are you know a little bit more have a little bit more conviction when they talk about them. Some of mine are going to come out of left field, James. I'm just going to warn you. That nothing can come out more out of left field from, from the three that I had last week, which all were dismantled in yeah. the first few minutes of this week's games, but we'll talk yeah. about it. Uh, it sounds like you're locked and loaded, though, so why don't you go ahead and, and uh, give us a shot? Uh, overreactions this week. I'm going even off games. I'm not even paying attention to the games. Just because my overreactions have nothing to do with them, it seems like this week. I'm going your course and taking the really odd route. Uh, overreaction, players not giving a shit about fantasy points. Uh, we had two <laughs> players this week come out saying, I don't care about your fantasy team. I'm going to do me. I'm going to focus on me, and that's all I'm going to worry about. Me and my team, that's it. Screw you and your fantasy points and your computers. Uh, and that was LeGarrette Blunt and OBJ. Both came out this week. OBJ, I can understand. First rounder. 
really good player. You know, bad ankle. He wants to get his ankle healthy. LeGarrette Blunt, though, makes no sense because he's not a top running back. He had a great season with the Patriots last year, getting touchdowns in the end zone. This year, not being used really. And that's because he's not having the same magic they did in New England because no running back that comes out of New England and goes somewhere else ever does. And it's bullshit. It's just like the running backs that go there from other teams to New England become superstars. It's just sore subject, sore subject. I'm going to move on. <laughs> but LeGarrette Blunt came out saying, fuck you, fuck all the haters, basically. Uh, I'm going to do me and basically probably go smoke a blunt and deal with his life. But yeah, people freaked out about it because these two guys basically freaked out about fantasy football points, which it's been a long-standing thing. Players don't give a shit about it. Yeah, that's that's probably true. That's less of an overreaction, more just kind of like a statement of fact. But I do. I, but I mean, you know what? I I totally sympathize. And as someone who had a heartbreaking fantasy loss this week, uh, you know, I'm right there with you. I tied in my matchup because Ezekiel Elliott couldn't get ten yards. Uh, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. That's the worst. All right, my overreaction for week two of the NFL season is that Eli Manning should be cut. Cut. <laughs> okay. Cut. Cut him. Cut wow. him. Greg, Eli Manning is a washed-up quarterback. Uh, wow. And I'm not just saying this because I don't like him and um, because I'm a Patriots fan. Well, that's part of the reason why I'm saying this. Don't get me I would think so. But, okay, so let me, let me paint you a picture here, Greg. A 36-year-old a, a quarterback has failed to score 20 points in a game in his last eight games straight. Uh, he has two big-time, uh, you know, all-time wide receivers in Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham Jr., uh, yet he can't put more than 20 points on the board. Uh, he's 36 years old. He's been in the league for quite some time. He's had some injury. Um He's only been kind of mediocre the entire time he's been in the league. Uh, would you want that quarterback starting for your team? No. Now, that makes sense to me. But because Eli Manning has pulled those two Super Bowls out of his ass, it's bought him an indefinite amount of time in New York, and I don't understand it. That's I understand it. Rings change things. No, I, I, I get it. I understand it. Like Joe Flacco got like a – you know, God knows how much his, that contract is worth. I, I forget the exact numbers, but he was one of the highest played quarterbacks in the entire league, and he's only mediocre. Those two Super Bowl rings have bought Eli Manning so much fucking time to just sit there and waste Odell Beckham Jr.'s prime and the last few years of Brandon Marshall's, you know, career, uh, and he is a washed quarterback. It, it, literally, like, watching, watching him is, like, borderline uncomfortable because every single time someone comes near him, he just kind of like drops to the ground. And every single time, you know, someone's open, like a five-yard, you know, flat route off to the left side or something like that, it's just a ball to his ankles. It's, it's painful to watch. And they keep giving the Giants primetime football games. And I have, no re- I have no reasonable explanation as to why that is. They don't score points and they give up lots of points. They make bad mistakes. They're not well coached. Uh, and Eli Manning should be benched. So that's my overreaction for week two. I like it. I get it. I mean, but when you beat Tom Brady twice in a Super Bowl to keep him from seven rings total, uh, you get basically all the time he won the world. He can play until he's 65, and the Giants can't say shit. No, but Eli Manning I would love beat, it as an Eagles fan, but... Eli Manning didn't beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, though. It was Justin Tuck. It was Michael Strahan. 
I mean, it was like, you know, the safety Tyler in the Brady. end zone to start the fucking game. Ah, yeah, like, it's, like, it was David Tyree, like, you know, pulling out, like, they still show that catch, by the way. And I'm just like, like, as, as a Patriots fan who, who spends his entire football life living in the past, I think it's time to stop living in the past with that one fucking David Tyree catch. Like, that's the only play that you can show ever when anyone, someone, whenever, like, whenever somebody catches a ball. They're showing the David Tyree catch. What about the Mario Manningham one? I mean, that was pretty good placement. I would argue that that's a better fucking play. But, you know, David Tyree pulled something out of his ass to ruin the Patriots' undefeated season. That's a better narrative. I totally understand it. But the better play is Eli Manning dropping it into a little basket uh, that Mario Manningham made on the sideline. He's, like, blanketed by cornerbacks and safeties, and somehow he manages to catch that. Uh, that's a better play. And by the way, Greg, that was five years ago. That's the last time that Eli Manning has looked confident. So I'm just going to throw that out there. All right. All right. I guess that makes sense. Uh, my next overreaction is going to be coming from our Thursday night game this past week, because if you didn't catch it, it was awful. Bengals, Texans, 13, nine, uh, Deshaun Watson. I could go with him as an overreaction because who knows? Let's crown him as rookie of the year. Maybe. No, it's not going to be that. It's going to be what followed that game, James, where the Bengals fired their offensive coordinator. Now, I get it. Sucked on offense. They haven't scored any touchdowns for the first time since, like, 1937 Eagles to not score any touchdowns at home. Whatever the stat was. The overreaction is firing the offensive coordinator after two games. You know what you should do, Bengals? Fire Marvin Lewis after two games. I mean, overreaction is... How is this owner still owning this team? Does he want to make the playoffs? I don't think he does. What's the owner's name? Nobody even knows because he never talks. He doesn't do anything. Give me a Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones would be firing Marvin Lewis's ass right now. It'd be spectacular. He could do it on the Jumbotron. It'd be great. Uh, Overreaction is basically the fact that the offensive coordinator should become the head coach. That's going to be the overreaction. They should fire Marvin Lewis, hire back the offensive coordinator as the head coach. I bet you the Bengals do better. Yeah, I put the Bengals, uh, I put Marvin Lewis on my medium hot seat to start the season, and I've never felt any, I never felt better about something in my entire life. He needs to go. Um, Did you hear the quote that he gave to the Bengals team? This is, this is what made him get to my overreaction list. His quote to the team was, I have it here, the next job somebody loses in this organization will be because of you. He said it to the players. He's taking no blame for himself whatsoever on his coaching decisions, his hiring decisions. Instead, he's blaming the players and the team for what he's basically scheming and who he's putting into place. No, Marvin, it's your fault. You should fire yourself. Hire that offense coordinator back. That man has a family. I don't think you do. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Strong words coming from Greg Cowan. That's what happens when you're drinking beer while you podcast, James. My next overreaction is uh, is this one is a little bit of a of a weird one. Um, My last one's weird, <laughs> but I, I I like it. Um, I think that the Carolina Panthers are going to finish with a losing record. Okay. Uh, now I that's I think it's a weird one because the Carolina Panthers right now are two and zero. But yeah, that's why I'm like okay. Those two wins are like the least impressive wins. We're going to do most impressed, least impressed later on today. A little spoiler. 
bringing back an old favorite. But those two wins are the, are the like least impressive wins of the entirety of the NFL schedule right now. They've beaten the 49ers and the Bills, and they barely beat the Bills. They that was beat a weird them game. To three. They, have, they, they had so much trouble with the Bills. And the 49ers, to be honest with you, looked kind of frisky in that first opening game against them. Um, so you're having a hard time with those two teams. The Saints are coming to town in a little bit. Um, so we have that to look forward to. The Saints aren't great either, but at least they have Drew Brees. It's better than the Brian Hoyer you know, or Tyrod Taylor coming to town. Uh, then you have the Patriots, the Lions, who all of a sudden look decent. The Eagles, who have a great defense. Bears is probably a win. But then you have the Buccaneers and Falcons, two legitimate uh, title contenders this year. Yep. The Dolphins, who look frisky all of a sudden with Jay Cutler and some weapons around them. The Jets, which is a win. The Saints again. But then you, you, they end the season, Greg, with Vikings, Packers, Buccaneers, and Falcons. Those are four playoff teams. Yeah. I, well, potential, potential playoff teams. Yeah. Uh, with good defenses and good quarterbacks, you know, maybe the Vikings withstanding. So all of a sudden, you know, you've got a really legitimate thing where you have to play the Buccaneers and the Falcons, who look like they're both in the upper echelon on the NFC right now. You have to play them four times this year. You have to play Tom Brady. You have to play the Eagles defense. You have to play Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you have to play the Vikings defense. I mean, there's like a real chance here that they could go like, you know, I don't know. It, 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 to be honest with you, it, is like 4-12, and 12, is 5-11, and 11, is that is that unreasonable to think that the Panthers could do? Based on the teams that you said they're facing, not really. I wouldn't say so. So, I mean, it's a 2-0 and start. They should be feeling really good about themselves in that sense. But, man, if Luke Keekley doesn't stay on the, on the field for them, like, you know, he's had some injury issues. Uh, if they can't get Christian McCaffrey going, if Cam Newton continues to look like he's, you know, still hurt, like he didn't take any snaps all preseason, all of a sudden he's playing like shit. So it's like, oh, what's... You know, put yeah. a little two and two together, connect some dots. I think that they could really be in trouble. You are a dot connector. I've heard that. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, you make a good point. I mean, it's a valid, reasonable idea that they could, you know, go even six and what would it be six and eleven or six and ten, whatever. Yeah, six and ten. I mean, six and ten is probably realistic. Getting to eight and eight might be hard. Getting a winning record will be hard against those teams. You face the Falcons twice. You face the Saints twice. Your defense isn't up top notch at that point. Saints have an offense that can do some work when they're actually clicking on all cylinders. Tampa Bay looked really good in week one, granted, or week two. They are going to be playing 16 straight games, so who knows how they're going to look later in the season. But, I mean, NFC South, you said it, pretty hard division. So it's just a matter of how things go, how Cam Shoulder holds up. Luke Keekley, like you said, can Christian McCaffrey get going in the backfield? A lot of different things up in the air. Based on what you've seen from uh, Cam Newton right now, do you think he's going about to go through, go, go about and torch the New Orleans defense? I, mm, I mean, a week ago and torched the New Orleans defense. If, to be honest, all right, well, he should at least put up like two fifty and two touchdowns. So torch, maybe not, but have an above average game, probably. I'm going to put that in the maybe category. All yeah, right, do you have a right. final overreaction? I do. Uh, this one is the out of left field. I actually heard it before we came on, and it made me chuckle, and it's really just specifically for you. Uh, hey, James, did you know Hillary Clinton came out with a book this week? Or like in the past week? I heard that. Yeah, uh, so apparently Tom Brady is a terrible book writer. Can't write books. Can't do it. He can't even That's- be number one on the book list. He got beat by Hillary Clinton. Tom Brady is a terrible book writer. He should stick to playing football and his nutritional meals. Just stay on the field, Tom. Nobody cares what you have to say in a book. 
you're not that you know cool despite what everybody thinks uh you put meals in a purple box and you're like here pay me a thousand dollars for like a piece of chicken and some asparagus but make sure you eat avocado ice cream because if you don't do that well then you're screwed and you're gonna be fat and also get hurt all the time and so yeah stick to that stick to what you know tom don't write books because basically we all know it was a ghostwriter but your face is on the cover you have to stand behind it and you can't even beat you know hillary clinton like a good buddy did in the elections come on that's not that's not an overreaction that's it just is. you that's just you trying to stir the pot and it's i, I don't overreacting no no i mean it's, you know so. you, you you're doing this intentionally and i see what you're doing uh you know it's very transparent very Every week, I'm going to try to get something, James. Something to just try to get under your skin. Eventually, I will do it. I will break you down. Well, th- this week is not the week. So, good try, good effort. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, now, for a real overreaction it's that Trevor Simeon is going to be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> okay. There's like crazy what I'm doing. And then there's just like, you should be in a mental ward crazy, which is what you just did. Tell me who had a better week than Trevor Simeon. I'll accept uh, Tom Brady. No, Derek Carr did not have a better week than Trevor Simeon. I think he did. Trevor Simeon had four touchdowns. Yeah, Derek Carr had three at least. Okay. I don't, I'm not a math whiz, but like, tell me which one's more. Uh, I know what's more. Uh, he did it against a crappy Dallas team. Uh, Derek Carr faced the Jets, who have a legit defense. The Jets don't have a legit defense? What are you doing? What are you even saying? They traded their best defensive player to the Seahawks before the season even started. Yeah, how does that work out for Seattle? What are you talking? The Seattle's Seattle's defense is the thing. You just you just trying to justify that they beat the Jets and that's more impressive than beating the fucking NFC champion. You're not NFC champion, but one of the best teams in the NFC, the Cowboys. That's less impressive. Yeah, I give credit only to the defense in that game. So Trevor Simeon, uh, he looks like the real deal. Unfortunately for all of us AFC dwellers, uh, the Broncos look pretty good. And I, I got a front row seat uh, to CJ Anderson. Not, li- not like a literal front row seat because I wasn't actually at that game. Um, my fantasy team got a front row seat to CJ Anderson and all that he can do. And God damn it, Greg, he's not bad at, at running back. So No, he's uh, pretty decent. I'm pretty. I was pretty frustrated with that whole situation. Yeah, the um, reason you weren't front row at that game, by the way, is because you know uh, our ad money hadn't come through yet. You know, shout out to our sponsors, um, me. So, <laughs> shout out, Greg. <laughs> um, Sorry, just couldn't get the funds in time to get you on that plane. You know what? Uh, I don't forgive you. Anyways, um, so that's. That's that's what I that's what I have to deal with right now is I have to deal with uh, losing to C.J. Anderson and and, and, I, and more importantly this is mo- not mostly for us I had, to, I had to lose to Will this week and I'm not happy with that. Uh, yeah, uh, for our listeners, if you don't know Will, uh, he's a great guy, but um, you don't want to lose to him because I feel like Will's a smack talker and if he wins this league, I feel like he's gonna make a rap about it. I know I haven't uh, I haven't actually texted him because of it. I, I didn't want to I want to go through all that anyway. So. Uh, Trevor Simeon, C.J. Anderson, we're liking it. Hall of Famers. Okay, that was overreactions this week, Greg. I think that they were very, uh, they're very appropriate. Yeah, yours were good. Mine were a little off this week. I have to pick it up. Uh, I really just focused on the book, and I lost all train of thought for everything else. Yeah, that's fair. I do have an underreaction. I think we. I don't know if you have an underreaction, but I do have one underreaction. I don't, but I love to talk about yours. All right, my underreaction of the week. Because it's something that's not getting that much publicity. I saw a thing out on ESPN today. It was a story talking about Eddie Lacy's dealings on Twitter and how 
you know, people are so mean to him because he was fat and I am one of those people that was mean to him. I've done a bunch of photos of him with plates of food instead of a football in his arm uh, because I find it amusing and don't get offended. You make millions of dollars for doing nothing, which is exactly what he did this week against the 49ers. Do you want to know why, James? Shoot. Who's inactive? Eddie Lacy was signed by the Seahawks to be their primary running back, and they made him inactive for no reason this week. He's not hurt. He's not abandoning and going AWOL on the team and trying to fly home and see his baby and all that stuff. They just basically said, hey, this week, you're not suiting up. And they're paying him $4.25 million to not suit up. That's that, I feel like, should be talked about way more. You do not bring in a guy that who the past few years has been considered a top running back or not at least top, but at least like top 15 to be your featured back, make him lose this weight, keep the weight down, all these things. He does all the things he's supposed to. And then you're just like, Hey, uh, you're inactive. We're not going to really say why you're not hurt. You didn't do anything wrong, but yeah, you're just not going to play. I've never been impressed with Eddie Lacey. I've had him on a fantasy team before. Um, you know, I, I just was never impressed with him when he was in green Bay. And then they made a big deal about him losing all this weight in the offseason, which I don't really understand either because I watched him during that first week against against the Packers when he came, uh, you know, and when he made his debut for the Seahawks, and he looked bigger than normal. He looked bigger than ever. That is, I don't understand the allure of Eddie Lacy. I feel like they look at this, like, big guy, you know, who was kind of quick in college, and they're like, oh, wow, he could potentially be a bruiser and then maybe have some moves. But the guy, like, I read an article about him where it's like, oh, the guy needs, you know, he, he needs to not be touched, you know, before the line of scrimmage so he can build up a head of steam. Yeah. Back in the NFL, can't be touched, you know, beyond the line of scrimmage. Like, I mean, most prefer not to be, but in Seattle, it's just not possible. Well, I'm just like I'm just confused at what his use is. Like your use is potentially, you know, uh, a goal line situation. Like that, you're paying millions of dollars for a goal line back who can't stop eating Chinese food and, you, you know, is a little portly. I just don't get it. I've never yeah, understood the allure. I never understood the allure of Eddie Lacy, but that's a good underreaction. I don't think anyone's talking about that really enough. But no. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like maybe the people just kind of realize that he's just not a good back. You know, he's just gonna fade into obscurity. Maybe, but when you put that much money down and you're barely beating the 49ers 12 to 9, who knows? Maybe a guy like Eddie Lacy makes a difference in that game. You don't know because you had him inactive. I feel like if he wasn't on the Packers, he wouldn't even be talked about. Like, again, the Packers have like some weird mystical lore where, like, you go to it's the same thing with the Patriots. Like, you go to the Patriots, you go to the Packers, and then all of a sudden you leave the team. It's a big deal about what you do. But in the reality, like, they're just put, put Eddie Lacy on the Patriots, and I bet you he becomes a Pro Bowler for like seven years straight. Yeah, potentially. I mean, he looks like Laguerre Blunt, except Laguerre Blunt was muscle and Eddie Lacy's a little bit less so. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, all right, that's a good underreaction. Let's go into most impressed, uh, least impressed for this week and then talk about what the games are that we're excited for next week. All right. And then we have a clip also because we're going to talk about what happened after the Giants game in Monday Night Football with Ben Mack. All right, let's talk about that. Um, okay, my most impressed from the week three, or excuse me, week two. I'm looking ahead already. You are. Uh, week two in the NFL, most impressed. I'm going to go um, – oh, this is a tough one. You, you go first. You go first. All right. Uh, my most impressed this week, um, mainly just because you get a certain amount of opportunities when you're a wide receiver in the NFL. you got to make the most of what your quarterback's given to you. Maybe it's a 20% share, maybe 25% share of the targets. Uh, Michael Crabtree made the most of his weekend. He was targeted like yeah. eight times. Made six catches, 80 yards, 
three touchdowns. Not one, not two, but three. I went out LeBron James on you. Uh, three touchdowns, had a great day. If you had him on your fantasy team, you most likely won. And if you didn't, okay. well, yeah, that was a shame on you. Can I tell you that that Will, the guy that I played on my fantasy team, did he have Crabtree? He had Carr, Crabtree, and Anderson. He got like, he literally got like ninety points from three players. He got thirty points alone from their touchdowns of Carr yeah. to Crabtree. No, seriously, he had nothing from anyone else, and he still won. Yep. Well, he that's had like what barely happens. anything. I had like a, I had like a solid. Like every single one of my guys was like kind of just like hit their projected and it was like a solid showing all the way down the board. And he had three guys that fucking killed me. I was yep. pissed. That's all it takes. But yeah, Michael Crabtree, there you go. Most impressed by you. Yeah, I already kind of said mine. Mine's definitely Trevor Simeon, if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so if, you know, I'm not going to, if I don't pick Trevor Simeon, um, you know, a good, uh, I guess my most impressed this week, I mean, it's against the Jaguars, so it's not a great a great one, but uh, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I'm pretty impressed with them just because, like, they had a lot of expectations going into the season, right? So uh, people were picking them to win that division. It's a pretty weak division. Uh, it's always been a pretty weak division. Um, and then last week, you know, week one, uh, the Titans kind of debuted and, and kind of got beat up by the Raiders uh, and didn't even put up 20 points. And the first half of this game in week one, it kind of looked, it, it was like a barn burner for the first half. Yep. Um, you know, you're going into halftime and, and the Jaguars were up six to three, or excuse me, the Titans were up six to three. And it was like, it, it just looked like a, like a repeat of these last few years where you had some expectations for the Titans and they weren't going to do anything with them. Uh, and then they came out like gangbusters and scored uh, 31 points in the second half. Yeah, against the Jaguars team that week one defense looked legit. They have a decent secondary, and they have got they got some players. So I mean, it, it's not like total scrubs, you know, you're throwing out there like on their offensive side. Um, so I was impressed with the Titans. I, you know, I was I was concerned going into halftime. I really thought that this team was like, oh, it's just one of these Titans teams that just like is going to squeak by a couple wins and maybe win a few 50-50 games, uh, and then you know back their way into the playoffs. But they looked like a legitimately impressive team in the second half of that game. So I was yeah. impressed by them. Definitely. All right. So least impressed. Uh, my least impressed of the week. So many options this week. You could really touch on individual players, teams. It was just horrible with some of the performances as well, especially like some big running backs, Zeke, McCoy. You look at teams like the Bills in general. But I'm actually going to go after somebody that didn't even play because I want to know what happened from week one to week two with Sam noodle arm bradford i'm bringing the nickname back i took it away after one week it's already come back big game it was the game we were looking forward to steelers vikings then friday night Schefter's up at like three in the morning tweeting out hey uh sam bradford made that play on sunday got some stiffness in his knee and it's the knee that's had like three acl surgeries but i'm least impressed with sam bradford because you had me so hyped up finally for you you look like a true number one player number one pick Going up against the Steelers team, supposed to be a really good matchup. And what do you do? You somehow get hurt, not in a game. Yeah, when you have to say the words Case Keenum, you know you're in a bad spot. Yeah. Um, and there was, there was literally no explanation about what's going on. Like when Mike Zimmer was asked, I'm pretty sure he just literally said, I'm, oh, I'm fine, and, and didn't like address it. 
Yeah, it's like apparently just knee stiff, stiffness. That's all they said, really. Nothing else. Not timetable for return. Just Did you hear his like, Did you hear Zimmer's explanation? It was like so weird. It, it was like he could potentially be back, you know, next week or like six weeks from now. Yeah, it's it's a very odd situation. So Sam Noodle Arm Bradford, I should call you Noodle Knee, I guess, uh, because apparently you can't keep those even straightened. Uh, least impressed. Yeah, exactly. He heard all the praise I was lopping onto him, and he was like, "You know what? I gotta, I gotta cool it down. I gotta get people <laughs> off my scent." I'm not used to this. Uh, let's keep it down under the yeah. radar. Uh, my least impressed. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Chargers. I mean, Chargers are the Charger fans. I'm gonna go with the Chargers as like as like a whole. Like you can't sell out a thirty thousand person stadium. It's gotta be the majority Dolphins fans, and then you can't beat the Dolphins on the road. Like the Dolphins, who'd signed Jay Cutler, like, you know, a couple of weeks before the season started. I realized that they got some weapons, but like, I don't know. I feel like the Chargers need to be better than this. Like, I, the last few years, the Chargers have just been so disappointing to me because they were kind of like a fun rival with the Patriots, uh, you know, back when, you know, in the LT days and the North Turner days and, you know, uh, even the Schottenheimer days. Like, you, you had like a decent rivalry going and phil rivers i think is a really legitimately good quarterback still you know out of the quarterbacks that came out of that draft class i think that he's still probably the most serviceable one if you were to plop him on a real contender um but they like there's only so many times that you can lose those like three-point games like i i don't know how much you read about the nfl's like like advanced statistics but it's like the 50 50 games are like such a toss-up that like if you win a bunch of them usually regress towards the mean and you lose a couple more next season. Or if you lose a bunch of them, usually regress towards the mean and you end up winning a couple more. The Chargers, I feel like every single fucking week lose a three-point game. Or in this point, this case, a two-point game. And this is like your first, it's like your debut in Los Angeles in like what could be really cool stadium. I think like 30,000 people is a cool amount of people for a stadium. You know, yeah, if the, like a tight-knit thing, it could be a really inclusive, yeah. really cool and they and to come out here and to lose to Jay Cutler, fucking you know slouchy face Jay Cutler in front of two thousand people, playing for the Dolphins, whose fans were louder than yours. I think the whole thing is unimpressive, and I, I didn't like any of it. Yeah, I can't wait till that stadium's filled up for the uh, Oakland game with literally just Oakland fans. That's gonna be like a real thing. It that's is. an actual, you know, that's that's a real concern. I don't think that they're gonna have you know the majority of their own fans once this season. No, did you hear the mayor of LA basically came out yesterday or today when he was asked about how did you feel about when you were told the Chargers were also going to move to LA? He was like, I kind of didn't want them. I didn't, I yeah. didn't think we needed two teams. And he goes, especially because Oakland and San Diego have great fan bases. And I was like, I know. Wow, that's that's just why did the NFL even do that then? <laughs> yeah, money, 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 money. It's all they going to do. I it is going to be the most embarrassing thing for the NFL when they open up a hundred thousand dollar state of the art stadium and they can't fill it. I hope it's more than a hundred thousand dollars. I sorry, hundred thousand person. My bad. <laughs> it's one of those nights. Yeah, it's all right. You ever had one of those nights where I'm like driving home from work today and like I'm I'm like I got materials to like cook a nice like healthy dinner and all that kind of stuff and it's like a rainy Wednesday and you know like halfway home I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm getting pizza. <laughs> Yep, and I got pizza. I got Thai food. Yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, that's the kind of night that it was for me tonight. Yep, that's uh, <laughs> completely understandable. Hundred thousand dollar LA stadium. Yep. Um, that was our most impressed, least impressed. And you want to finish off this week's uh, recap of the NFL with a little 
uh giants talk yeah benny with the good hair as they call him even though his hair's all weird this year i don't like it uh so ben mcadoo after monday night's game was noticeably upset just super pissed off he had some uh, not nice things to say i don't know if you saw monday night football james but eli manning had a delayed game called against him i think at a crucial point in the game late in the game and uh they asked ben mcadoo about it and usually a coach will cover up a little bit you know they won't just like go straight forward into the answer of what they really think. Um, ben McAdoo had different ideas about this. Uh, he decided to go the opposite way. And this is what he had to say. That's what happened on the delay game. Uh, sloppy quarterback play. Quarterback and the center need to be on the same page there. We got to get the ball snapped. Why did you call a timeout? Because we have a veteran quarterback who's played a lot of football. I expect us to get the ball snapped. Usually the, the clock goes from uh, 3, 2, 1, 0. Once it hits 0, they, they look at the ball, look at the clock. Usually have a tick once it hits 0 to get the ball snapped. So, uh, yeah, he was asked why he didn't take a timeout, and you heard him blatantly. I have a veteran quarterback. Didn't think I needed to do that. And the clock goes 3, 2, 1, 0. I expect the ball to be snapped. Just basically threw Eli under an 18-wheeler and said, have fun. Yeah, I mean, based on my rant earlier today, I'm actually pretty much in agreement with McAdoo here. But at the same time, you know, if you're going to go, you know, football guy rules 101, you can't call out your your quarterback uh, in a press conference, especially when you haven't really done anything to, to, to deserve the clout to call out your quarterback. Like, you know, the, this is where the rings argument again is going to work out in Eli's favor. Eli's 36 years old, has been the quarterback of the New York Giants since, what, 2004? Yeah, something wrong. Uh, and, and McAdoo's coming in with, you know, two years uh, under his belt, and, and he's a, he, <laughs> you know, by all indications, he's a pretty bad coach. <laughs> I mean, yep. there's nothing, nothing has looked good so far. Nothing has looked smooth. Nothing has looked, you know, polished or put together or well coached. And to call it your quarterback in front of everybody. You know, I honestly think it's a fair criticism because, you know, they should, you know, Eli has got to keep his head on a swivel and it has to have a little bit more polish in that kind of situation. But at the same time, you can't call it your quarterback. You can't no, do it. You, you can't do that. I mean, you you go around it, you talk to him in private, you say that to him in private. Like, you would never see Belichick say that about Brady and be like, well, you know, he's a veteran. He's won five Super Bowls. He should know how to, you know, do the play clock. It happens to every quarterback. Brady has it happen. Breeze has it happen. Rodgers has it happen. All the top quarterbacks once in a while get a delay of game it's just a thing it could come at the worst time but all you should say as the coach at that point is you know he's a veteran quarterback you would hope he would know better but you know sometimes it happens and that's just how the game goes type thing that's what you should say move on from it instead now he created more of a controversy for him himself and his team in one of the biggest media markets and one of the hungriest fan bases in all of the nfl yeah totally agree um and then, okay, that's it for the NFL this week. Anything else that you want to talk about? No, I mean, uh, is there any, if there's one game you have to look forward to this week, what would it be? Uh, and if your answer is not what I expect it to be, I'd be shocked. It's not Pat's Texans, if that's what no, you're asking. Nope. Um, I haven't even totally, like, you know, examined this. Well, I I'm going to tell you what you're most excited about, James. You're Bucks, most looking forward to interesting. Jaguars, Ravens, London, baby. London. Uh, uh, you love the London they, games. We you just give them, we, I do love the London games. We just give them the grossest games. 
the grossest games imaginable. It's pretty yeah, amazing. Actually. Why would they? Yeah. Why would anyone in the NF, Why would anyone in England be? A, you know, an NFL game based on the games that we gave them. Now, I will say that this is this is a really nice, uh, you know, chance. Uh, these London games are, are relationship testers. Mm-hmm. Let's see how strong your relationships really are when football starts at nine thirty. <laughs> you know, like that's that's a real commitment driven. You know, like it's supposed to also like here. I don't know where you're listening to this in the country sports stance listening public, but it's supposed to be beautiful here. Like that's a great day to like you know go outside and do something. Mm-hmm. The last like before it gets starts getting like pretty cold. Uh, that's like a really nice weekend day to go out and do something. And, you know, making an argument that you need to stay in from 9.30 in the morning until realistically like midnight watching football, uh, that's a hard sell. So let's see how strong these relationships really are, folks. Hey, I mean, if you're a Ravens or like a Jags fan in California, you're set. You watch your team at 6.30 to like 9.30 in the morning on the West Coast, and then you just have your day. Yeah, I know. Have your day. Good for you. Um, okay, I guess I guess Bucks Vikings is pretty is pretty good. Depends on if Bradford plays, I guess. Yeah, uh, but even thing. that sentence makes me kind of you know skeevy. I think Seahawks um, Titans could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Seahawks Titans Titans not bad. Seahawks are just like lame to me right now. I feel like Falcons, this whole week Lions is kind of a right weird now. game. Yeah, it's a weird week. I don't I don't really like anything here. Falcons Lions is is semi-compelling yeah i mean the um, game i would be mostly intrigued by is eagles giants but giants haven't shown me anything to even think it could be a good game no seriously i mean even raiders redskins isn't bad yeah. you know all things considered um uh, i guess saints panthers because i just staked my claim and said that the, the panthers are gonna have a losing record so this is i have a lot riding on this now all of a sudden a lot yeah. of pressure <laughs> it's all right uh, all right let's touch on the nba before we kind of get out of here a little bit because we want to talk about um, the thing that we touched on at the beginning of the of the show, which is a really weird, weird interview oh, that yeah. Kyrie Irving gave to Stephen A. Smith, and then we also want to talk about little Kevin Durant. But let's start with the Kyrie thing. Um, there was a couple of clips that were circulating on the internet from this from this first take interview that Kyrie did. Um, I didn't watch the entire interview; I just watched the few you know clips that were on Twitter. But that's all you needed to do. It was weird. It didn't look like he wanted to be there at all. Like, it, it, which I, I don't really understand the purpose of it. So, okay, so putting on my Celtics bias hat, right? I love that he's just kind of like not giving a shit about LeBron. Also, wants to beat LeBron. Also, you know, says that he was pretty. You can't put a price tag on happiness, and now he's happy to be a Celtic. So, it, as a Celtics fan, I'm very happy with the outcome of that interview, and his no bullshit sort of thing. As a general NBA fan, I'm I'm pretty confused. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, I mean, I have the 19 second clip of like kind of his short main answers, where I basically gave you all what they were earlier. So if you missed it, didn't see the clips online, I'm gonna play it for you real quick, and then I'll give my kind of idea of an unbiased non-Celtics fan because I just watch the NBA. I don't really have a team. I just watch everything and kind of enjoy just basketball itself. So here's him on a first take and Stephen A. Smith. Did you speak to LeBron James or talk to LeBron James before you before you and your representatives met with ownership and let them know that you wanted out? No. Why not? Why would I have to? If you don't speak to somebody about it, they might take it personally. Yeah. Do you care about that at all? No. So, I mean, you can just hear it in his voice. It's very odd. He just doesn't seem to care. It's like he's not awake, 
I don't know if he, like he was fully awake for this, caffeinated, what it is. But if I'm a Celtics fan, seeing that, yeah, you're excited. Kyrie's great. You know when he game start, it's gonna like you know be pumped up and everything. But at the same time, it brought so much like personality and energy to his game and to himself and to the team. You got to wonder if Kyrie's gonna do that same thing. If he's gonna have the same effect on the team in that way, because you don't want a guy that's not gonna be. He's supposed to be a leader on this team. And from that interview, he doesn't sound like a leader. He sounds like a kid that just doesn't care. Like he's in the back of the class in high school, kicking it. And the teacher's like, hey, um, who was the first president? He's like, I don't know. She's like, you should know. He's like, why? I don't care. And that's just basically it. That's what I get from that. It's a weird thing. His reactions to Max Kellerman's questions were also odd. He was just kind of very defensive when he knew very well going on to that show. He was going to be asked about LeBron, his move his motives, all of that. He should have just had some like pre-worked out answers that he could toss in and out, sound bites, and he would have been fine. He would have been done with it. But no, he basically gave nothing for the show and anything, and it was just all very awkward. That's a bit of an overreaction for my taste, Craig, but I appreciate where you're coming <laughs> from here. No, I don't think that just, that's an indictment of the energy that he's going to bring to the Celtics. I don't know. I mean, Isaiah Thomas had his share of dud interviews, but that was a little bit more than a dud. That was like almost like on purpose. So I, I don't really know what his his motives were on going on first take. Like it's Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. Like it's not going to be like some. It's not like some sixty minute sit down. Like you know they're gonna they're gonna try to get get headlines and you, you played right into it without you know unintentionally without playing into it. So as a Celtics fan, I'm appreciating him. Uh, you know, not liking LeBron. Well, yeah, I mean, you should. But he also never said he didn't not like LeBron. He just basically said, why would I have to tell LeBron? And yeah, it's almost like, you know, oh, I don't really think I don't really think that highly of you. And he's like, really, I don't think about you at all sort of thing. Yeah. It was <laughs> just a very I'm odd, odd thing. It's an yeah. odd interview. Uh, I hope his next interview, maybe somebody's just like, hey, next time you go on camera and talk to somebody, just have some energy. Just, just make it known that you have a pulse. Well, I mean, his introductory press conference is pretty great. I don't know. I thought that was yeah, pretty good. But at the same time, only like New England saw that. This is something that everybody across the country saw. So when you know you're going to be on something nationally, you got to bring the energy. You can't just sit there and look like you're being held hostage by ESPN to give answers. True. Um, all right, cool. Let's finish it off with the KD thing. <laughs> so, uh, so KD, um, you, you know, he was – so, okay, Katie's official Twitter account was responding to people who were talking shit about him in his mentions. So Katie would tweet something. Kevin Durant would tweet something. You know, some internet person would would talk shit back to him, would reply to him and talk shit to him. And then Kevin Durant's official Twitter account uh, would respond to the person who was giving Kevin Durant a hard time as if he was someone else entirely. Yeah, third person conversation. Third person talking about how the Thunder have nobody except for Russ, how Billy Donovan's a shitty coach, um, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the internet detectives came out and realized that this is like, this is exactly the thing that someone would do if someone had a, a fake account and would go to bat for himself on Twitter in his mentions. Yeah. And I think that's unbelievable. I mean, I don't think that you talk about underreactions of the week. People aren't talking about Ed Lisi sitting. I think that not enough people are talking about the fact that Kevin Durant created fake Twitter accounts to defend himself to internet trolls. Are you kidding me? 
like legitimately like he like fake burner accounts to to defend himself against internet trolls i've never like like there's no athletes that can even comp to this like what i i'm like speechless not enough people are talking about this no i mean it's definitely weird uh it's like um we don't definitely have no accounts that you know defend our sports stance account i promise you that wink wink no <laughs> but it's like it's just like the weirdest situation uh especially because he got like blatantly caught and he's trying to be like uh no that's not what it is i don't have other accounts and it's like no you you clearly do people have searched out they also say it has like instagram accounts i don't know if you mentioned that i got slightly distracted by a crying puppy i have um but like people are doing doing their detective work like the internet does finding all these things out trying to find like in the past maybe who could be his burner accounts it's fantastic storyline but it's just a he's had a very weird off season i feel like and yeah. even, even the warriors were asked different players on the warriors were asked about it and he came out basically say they came out saying we're kind of perplexed by this whole situation it's very odd um we don't know why he's still kind of talking about the past and dealing with the past when He's now here. He's won a championship. Uh, you know, he released those shoes that had all the different remarks on it and everything like that. So it's just a very odd situation overall. I'm pretty sure he has fake accounts. He's going to keep using fake accounts to defend himself because I guess egotistically it makes him feel better. And if it does, fine, just don't get caught. Make sure you switch that account. It's not that hard. You click an arrow, your another account drops down, you click on it and you go to work. What's what's the reason that we think that Kevin Durant? Okay, so so we like, at least I do. But I mean, I think the collective sports public likes our athletes to kind of be driven and almost kind of like have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Uh, and and to use you know, little spites as motivation, like we like that in our athletes. We liked yeah. it when MJ did it. Um, you know, we liked it uh, when you know we like it when Tom Brady does it. Every little slight. Um, you know, is is used for his benefit, right? Yeah. Um, we like it when these athletes do that. So why don't we like it when Kevin Durant sort of does the same thing? My opinion is that because, <coughs> excuse me, because MJ and Tom had like this assuredness that they were the best player in the world, so it didn't matter. Like if they said something, it was it was an affront to them. And it was a front. It was an affront yeah. to their opinion of themselves, um, rather than you know what people thought of him. With Kevin Durant, he has no chill about it. Everyone, it, it's it's all about what people think of him. Like it's more for the people than it is for him. And I just I think that's kind of why people don't like it. He's arguably the best player in the NBA right now. Finals yeah, MVP, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I just you know I, I think that with Tom and, and MJ, they were they were always more about themselves and their drive. And I think he even put Kobe into this. They're always more about themselves oh, yeah. and their drive rather than what people are actually saying about them, where Kevin Durant is so blatantly concerned about what people think of him. Um, it's kind of like the LeBron James argument. Uh, yeah. That it's, it's less... Yeah, it's, it's just like less... It's less charming when he does this kind of stuff because he's so fucking persecuted yep. uh, that you know he's got to create fake Twitter troll accounts. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, just, it's a very odd situation. But... Um... In general, it's not even the first time he's had like Twitter issues. I don't know if you remember, if, like a month or so ago, somebody from I think like Barstool or one of those sites tweeted at him, and he like overreacted and basically was like, "Yeah," like went after the guy's mom and just made like a comment about his mother. 
And the guy was like, my mother is a very nice lady. He's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to come after your mom. And it's like, why, why would you even don't even like get into it with people? Like you don't have to, you're Kevin Durant. You're an NBA MVP, finals MVP. You're an MVP of the league. You're won a championship. Just put all the haters and all the talk behind you. If you really have to come out, say something, do it, but, don't get petty with like your random trolls on the internet and on Twitter and deal with them. Just stop talking and that's it. Like deal with Stephen A. Smith. Fine. But don't deal with like a random schmuck from like Ohio and yeah. talk to him. I think like, he just needs to be loved. I mean, that's honestly it. He just needs, he just needs attention. He needs that approval. Uh, he needs to be the most loved player in the league. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It, it, it's going to be it, a it, season. Yeah, exactly. All right, I think that's everything from the sports stance. Anything else you want to cover, Greg? Uh, last but not least, uh, just a little MLB talk. We'll get one little thing out um, just because it's kind of interesting to me. Uh, MLB season's wrapping up, and with that, you have teams like the Cardinals who are trying to vie for the NL Central, try to catch the Cubs. Um, and then you have teams like the Red Sox who are trying to keep that three-game lead. A lot of you know divisions kind of seem like they're going to be set. But both of those teams, the ones I mentioned, Red Sox and Cardinals, both had aces on the disabled list for a while this year. Both have come back. David Price and Adam Wainwright are going to be now pitching out of the bullpens for their respective teams. Price with the Red Sox, if you don't know for some reason, and Wainwright with the Cardinals. Uh, the question I have, James, is do you think this is going to make a difference for either team down the stretch? Um, I'm not totally sure. You know, Price didn't pitch all that well this season. The Red Sox are still in first in the AL East. Um, yes, it's better not to have – it's better to have the talent on the on – the, in the and a starting rotation than not to have it. But Price was never that good in the playoffs anyway. And all of a sudden you've got Fister, who looks like, you know, uh, is the best move that Dombrowski's done so far. The fist. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Wainwright, you know, Wainwright, if, if you're talking like three, four years ago, yeah, makes some difference. Uh, and he's definitely got some playoff bona fides. Um, you know, but does it, does it tilt the scale one way or the other? I, I'm... I'm not going to go that far. You know, I still think it looks like the Indians in the AL, unless, again, like I talked about like a couple weeks ago, unless some other AL team gets really hot. And in the NL, you know, I mean, it, it, even though the Dodgers look pretty shitty in the last few years, I mean, probably the Dodgers are the Nats, right? The, the Nats have Scherzer and Strasburg, and that's tough to go up against. They have yep. a really legitimate offense. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that either of these additions are going to swing something uh, unless – they catch fire somehow, but that's not really, you know, uh, pitchers don't just take off time casually and then come back at a really high level and, and, and pitch very well, especially in a playoff situation. So I'd be surprised if the, either of these additions really swung any sort of uh, playoff race. Uh, yeah, I respect that opinion. Um, the only one I'm going to disagree with you about, Wainwright, I think, yeah, it makes no difference. The Cardinals, I don't think, are making the playoffs, even if he does as well as a relief pitcher. I do think Price makes a difference. One, from a mental perspective for the team, knowing that they have that type of arm in the pen. You know, their setup situation this year has not been the most, you know, steady. Uh, they got Addison Reed in the trade deadline. He has not been what they expected him to be. Uh, but, you know, Price starting record in the postseason, not good. We know that. But when he was a reliever in the postseason for the Rays, when he was still with Tampa Bay, he was as good as a relief pitcher in the postseason as you could find. And knowing that you could just basically go Chris Sale, if you're in a game five, game seven situation, you could go Chris Sale, six, seven innings, or probably you'd say five, six at least, get solid outing of him. Then you could go Price for six, seven, eight, and then to Craig Kimbrell, 
And that's a pretty, I mean, that's basically what they're going to try to do with the Indians did last year with Andrew Miller, get the bullpen to like that inning. Miller comes in for two innings and Allen comes in to close it out. Red Sox could have a similar situation. It may be a biased opinion, but if price can come back looking decent, at least in a relief role, it could make a difference in a playoff series. Will it? I don't know. I guess you got to pay attention down the stretch to see what he can bring and if he can actually stay healthy enough and if that elbow holds up. See where you're coming from. Um, I don't know. I'm still not convinced. I, the price is at such a weird year that I'm just not I'm not totally convinced that his you know, arrival back in the um, back in the clubhouse means anything. Anyway, we'll see. Fair enough. All right. I think that's everything, Greg, that we want to touch on this week. Um, so we are excited. We're back in the swing of things. Probably going to come back to you on Tuesdays if possible. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we say goodbye to the, the nice folks who are listening still? No, not that I can think of. You know, normally you can catch us on Wednesdays is when we try to get it out. Uh, sometimes it's probably going to be Thursdays. It's just life. Deal with it, folks. We'll try to get it out on Wednesdays or Thursdays before at least the following week starts in the NFL. And that's about it. So, you know, don't forget, Definitely. check us out on iTunes. Check us out on SoundCloud. Subscribe. Rate us. Follow us on Twitter at SportsDance underscore. You know the drill by now. You hear it in the introduction. Um, but have a good week. Uh, have a good week three in the NFL fantasy football, people. Bye, guys. The Sports Dance.